your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside a milestone 300th episode of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Piller up in Collingwood. Today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app for free in the iOS store and join Pilsy and I this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. to get in on the conversation. It's interactive radio, Locker Room changing the way we talk sports. Well, the Ottawa Senators have won three straight now for only the second time this season, first time on the road, after a near-perfect 3-0 shutout in Vancouver over the Canucks. We'll get into how special teams stayed red hot and what's gotten in to Matt Murray because he's been absolutely lights out since returning from injury. We also have friend of the show, Laleem's Martian, join us to chat captain shit from Brady Kachuk and his new blog that recently featured a deep dive into which Senators we could see extend their season with a trip to the World Championships. This is the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day. Today is Friday, April 23rd in Pilsy. Is Matt Murray the best goalie in the National Hockey League? Well, Ross, anytime you get two shutouts in three games, you're definitely one of the better goalies in the National Hockey League. And Matt Murray looks like a completely different goalie from the one we saw at the beginning of the season. And you got to tip your hat to whether it was DJ Smith, Pierre Dorian, whoever decided, you know, I think it's time we make a change with the goaltending coach because it's been effective. And credit to Zach Burke. I mean, short, short sample size, but from what we've seen since he's been brought in, things have looked really good in the crease. We said we were going to get into analytics, and I don't know where to find this stat, but I would wager that Matt Murray caught more pucks last night and over this past stretch than he did at any point during the earlier portion of the season. That glove save off a high deflection in the second period last night to keep it 2 nothing was nothing short of unreal. What is it about the way he's making saves that's giving you confidence that this isn't just a hot streak? This is a goalie who's found his game. Well, I don't know. I feel like I've tried to say this all along. Like Matt Murray had a tough, tough start and everyone's getting on him. How can we get rid of this contract? How much money do we need to retain to trade him? Will Seattle take him in the expansion draft? Guys, calm down. Like he needed a while to settle in. It's a new new country, new, new team. He just had a kid. All these kinds of stuff were probably really overwhelming for Matt Murray. So I had a feeling that when he came back from this injury, I bet a bunch of it he took for mental reasons too, to get that confidence back, to work on on his game. And he's looked great. I think that's what I've noticed the most is he looks confident. Like Matt Murray at the start of the season doesn't flash the leather like that. Like, I mean, if he kept if he catches it, which he wasn't doing much at the beginning, he would have just caught it and that's it. But he says, Hey, I'll put a little a little put a little spice on the end of this one. That's a nice save. And he was making good saves all over, and he seemed positionally sound his rebound control was great like 
this is a goalie who's now realizing he's he does have what he had before and he's captured it again and I'm just excited that Matt Murray's looking great and this is a guy that can be the pivotal goalie to take this team from the rebuild to playoff contention 112 saves on 117 shots only five goals against in the four games since he's returned from injury I want to touch on what you mentioned his movements he's so much more compact and closing his five hole when he's sliding across. He's also made a ton of post-to-post saves, which we didn't see at the same clip earlier this season. There was that deflection on a, a drive play to the middle of the ice where he almost had the five hole still open, but was able to squeeze it tight. So that was just a hell of a goaltending performance from Matt Murray. 31 saves, but he got some offensive support as well. Pilsy, this was an Ottawa team that from the drop of the puck, maybe the first shift, right? Brady was frustrated after his initial outing. and He took it into his own hands, too, with a huge hit on Matthew Highmore. Gets jumped by Travis Hamanick. Brady, again, handling himself well in a scrap against the veteran. Yeah, that was a bit of a weird play, I think. Uh, I'm not about to call that a clean hit, but... You know what it was? It's the equivalent of a safety driving through a wide receiver when the he thinks the ball's going to be right there, but it ends up going high, but the defenseman or the safety has already committed to the hit, and he's like, you're going to get it no matter what. The puck was gone, but he was also admiring his pass. Yeah, that's the thing. It was one of those scenarios where Brady had already made his decision. And <laughs> and honestly, I know it sounds funny, but it's safer for both the player that's making the hit and the guy getting hit. If you're going to hit the guy, then, then follow through with it. Because if you let up, that's when knee-on-knee injuries happen. That's yeah, when, when you the try awkward to get out of the falls way. happen. Exactly. So it's it's an unfortunate play. And I'm not about to say that Brady wasn't at fault there. That's definitely interference and the penalty was warranted. And it was probably warranted for a Vancouver Canuck teammate to step in there. But you love when Brady Kachuk stands up for himself. And the thing, this is, I want to get into this quick before uh, everybody unravels on Twitter. The people on Twitter saying, oh, what's Josh Brown on the ice for if Brady still has to fight his fights? Like, what is Josh Brown supposed to do? Hop <laughs> over the bench and get in there? Like, he Brady tried to fight later, though. Yeah, he did. He did. But I just want to say, like, you can't – that's that's such a bad statement because that's a situation where Brady brought that upon himself and handled it, which is what we want Brady to do. We don't want Brady to get in a situation like that and be like, oh, no, like, I'm, I'm too uh, special. I'm a skilled guy. Like, I can't stand up for myself. Nah, he's going to do that all the time. So I don't want to hear the Josh, uh, Josh Brown slander on that play. That's just silly. Only the Anaheim Ducks as a team have more fights than the Ottawa Senators this year by one. Now, two-way tie for the National Hockey League in fights, and that's Austin Watson and Brady Kachuk. And here's another advanced analytic for you. Five of Brady's six fights this year have been against defensemen. Now, is that by design? Absolutely not. But it's a bonus because you're taking a defenseman off, and then you have to play with five. For the next five minutes that's another reason why I'm always for your grit guy your glue guy who's gonna drop the gloves to be the 12th forward instead of the sixth defenseman and in last night's case Hamannick got the extra 10 minute misconduct so he's out for 17 minutes Ottawa taking advantage despite a defender getting a penalty right after Artem Zub the beginning of an unreal night on the penalty kill for Ottawa but I want to get into this goal right away and it was Ottawa's power play that did the work on this one Tim Stutzla letting everybody know that it's his goal. 
I love that. You know, like th- this is a kid who's been in a bit of a cold streak. And I think if, if that was a like aged veteran, you'd be like, okay, calm down, man. But this is a Easy kid. Ryan Smith. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But you know, Tim's, he's a young guy and it's been a while for him and he's been, he's been trying, he's been putting pucks on net and sometimes it's the ones that you're not trying to score that work out for you. Cause he was trying to get out of the way of that puck. Like that's very clear. He was doing some, some matrix jumping to try to dodge that one, but luckily it hit him. And uh, I think Nick Paul had about a half a second to celebrate that goal thinking it was his and Timmy let everybody know that he got that one. But Great to see uh, Marker on the power play because the Sens, we talked about it. We thought once they get a continuous stretch of one or two power play goals in a couple games, the floodgates are going to open. And that's what's happened. Like it's it's full spring flood right now for the Ottawa Senators power play. And they got not one Ross, but two power play goals in that game. And not only that, Pilsy, for the first time this season, the Senators get two power play goals in the same Period. It was exactly six minutes and 40 seconds later that Drake Batherson takes off a, a, a nice pass, but it got a little help going off the skate of the defender. But Drake almost lacrosse style scoring this one. The puck was on end, but he didn't panic. He almost allowed the puck to settle with great patience and makes no mistake upstairs, far down. And now all of a sudden, this, this battle. For who's going to lead the Senators in points by the end of the season is a three-horse race. And there could be a fourth that we'll get to who's really making his way up the chart. And that's Connor Brown who scored the empty netter in this one to retake the goal lead on this team with his 17th after Drake got his 16th. But this was just an overall team effort. And I want to get into the penalty kill now that we've talked power play. What is it about Alex Formanton that the puck has a way of finding him defensively. Now, I'm going to argue with you that he's better shorthanded than he is five-on-five because even though it's his own team that's lost a player, when there's extra ice out there, he excels. Well, hey, that's an easy argument, Ross. I'm not going to – there's no (laughs) rebuttal for me here. So uh, I guess we can just call this podcast done. We uh, we just agree with every. Well, we got to bring in Lalee Martian then. A little argument with oh, him. Oh yeah, true. I can't stand that guy's opinion, so that'll be a quick argument. But yeah, I agree with you. It's it's the more ice. Like imagine Alex Formanton playing on international ice, shorthanded. Oh my goodness, this guy would have a the runway would go forever. He could probably hit. 45k he would be speeding in school zones for sure so I I agree with you there I think he's great on the penalty kill and I really liked that play where Connor Brown breaks his stick shorthanded and then he's so aggressive to the defenseman that has the puck for um, Vancouver and then he skates by him goes to the bench gets the change and then Formanton bursts the speed gets back in the zone picks the puck up and turns it around for a two-on-one with Nick Paul like that's an incredible play. And there's the old saying, sometimes the best defense is a good offense. And when you're shorthanded and you're the one getting the chances when you're down a man, that's incredible. And it creates so much frustration and havoc and it breaks up the flow of another team's power play. So having a guy like Alex Formanton available to kill penalties for you is such a treat. So the Sens have six straight games with a power play goal, but they also have three straight where they haven't allowed one so they've got killed off 13 penalties in a row 11 straight since Shane Pinto joined this group so what's he brought as an added element despite not his typical night in the face-off circle 
Yeah, definitely a tough night for him in the face-off dot. But before we get to that, I want to mention, you talked about uh, the penalty kill being really effective last night. Every single defenseman, Ross, played on the penalty kill. Over a minute. Yep. Which, I mean, you got to look at uh, Josh Brown had some penalties. Artem Zub had Mm -hmm. some penalties. But still, the fact that uh, DJ Smith's able to put Eric Branstrom and Victor Mete. Victor Mete played almost three minutes shorthanded. Like, to have that... There was a shift in the second period where it was Branstrom and Mete out there on a penalty kill. Oh my God, I didn't notice that. DJ Smith must have been panicking. But (laughs) the the fact that he's able to trust those guys to do that, that's incredible. Like that you wouldn't, I wouldn't at least think to put Victor Mete on uh, the shorthanded unit. But sometimes you got to do what you got to do and he looked good. So this is the kind of team effort, the full team effort that's going to give you wins like this. When Matt Murray plays solid, when the power play unit's clicking, when all the defensemen are working hard, shorthanded. And look at the ice time for the forwards, Ross. So balanced. No forward played over 20 minutes. Now, a big part of that was Nick Paul was dinged up and uh, he didn't play kind of much of the third period, as DJ Smith said. So that really spread out the minutes a little bit more. But anytime you're in a position to win a 3 nothing game when you're rolling all four lines and all three defense pairs that just goes to show that you've got a full roster there's no doubt this is the most depth they've had as a team as an organization since the teardown began in 2018 another thing contributing to that even ice time was Brady having seven minutes of penalties in the first period but let's talk about Brady's line mate briefly too because Josh Norris with 13 points in his last 13 games and extended his point streak to six games. It's been a season of streaks. Eh, Pills first Batherson, then Connor Brown, and now we've got the Josh Norris point streak. He is just impressing me at both ends of the ice. And uh, Jay Fresh on Twitter, say what you want about him, but he posts these cards on players, and he's got all the analytics behind him. So he posted uh, Josh Norris's, and I asked him, I said, is Bo Horvat a fair high-end comparable for him? And he said, yeah. So I guess somebody backing up my opinion from yesterday's show when I said my lookout player was Bo Horvat, and the more I think about it, the more, man, if he can become that, and you even get, like, a Costco version of Mark Shifley and Shane Pinto, Sens are looking pretty good down the middle. The thing, too, is they don't have, like, a real big, true, elite number one centerman, but that's all right because the guys they have down the middle, you can balance them out. Like, it's not like you need to be playing Josh Norris like 20 minutes a night because the guys under him aren't going to be that good. Like, Shane Pinto, I can see being a very good second-line center. Josh Norris is looking already like a good number one center. And then mix in Colin White, hopefully Ridley Gregg, and you've got four great centermen that can fill different roles for your team in the upcoming future if they all fulfill their projections so this this roster is really shaping into a nice looking team and you're seeing the results like three straight wins Ross but I didn't think we'd talk about that all year especially two shutouts mixed in there like this is the makings of a team that's feeling themselves and it's a team that's completely bought in as well 52 shot blocks over the last three games as a team they blocked 19 last night to go along with 31 saves from Matt Murray we still got to get to Josh Brown's penalty maybe we'll save that for Laleem's Martian because we know he's been a Josh Brown fan in the past we're really excited to get him on and talk some world championships Noodles was talking during intermission how it could be a great audition for Thomas Shabbat and the Olympics like they didn't see how he was the only defenseman in history to win MVP at the World Juniors, or that he's 11th in points by a defenseman 
in the last three years. Anyways, if they need an extra look at Shabby, so be it. But there's a few other Senators who could make their way to the World Championships that are happening in Latvia in May. So we'll have a fun conversation with Liam's Martian about that. We still have to get to our Send Central standouts. We'll include the Martian in those rankings as well. But I got to power up before we get there. So I'm reaching for my Built Bar. Cherry Barcia is my go-to today. And Phil LeMay knows exactly what I'm talking about. Built Bars are the protein bars that taste just like candy bars. They come in so many great, amazing flavors as well. If you don't like Cherry Barcia, why don't you try any other of the 16 options that Built Bar produces. We'll get to Pillsy's pick of the week very soon after I talk about the nutritional benefits that Built Bar brings because it's not just an amazingly tasteful chocolate bar. Oh, I said chocolate bar. They're protein bars. I get them mixed up because they're the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They come in low calorie, low in sugar, but they're high in protein and high in fiber. So don't feel guilty having these because they're great for the health conscious guy or girl because of the ability to lose or even just maintain your weight while you're indulging in these delicious treats. Pillsy, if somebody is struggling to decide what kind of built bar they're going to reach for, what would you steer them in? Well, Cherry Barcia is a great option. You mentioned that off the top. I like that one. But, you know, not everyone's into the fruit-flavored ones, which is fine. But if you're usually not into them, I suggest you give built Bar fruit-flavored bars a try because they've got that figured out for sure. So if you want to go a different direction, Salted Caramel built Bar, 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, only 4 grams of sugar, and the delicious flavor you know and love. Built Bars, the protein bars that taste just like candy bars. Go to BuiltBar.com and see all the amazing flavors and other products that Built Bar has to offer. And when you're at checkout, use promo code LOCK15. You'll thank us because you get 15% off your next order. So that's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your next order. All right, Pillsy. Well, we spoke briefly about Brady Kachuk getting into that scrap early in the game. Set up. Drake Batherson's goal to make it 2-0 as well. So why not get the creator of the Captain Shit movement on the show? Laleem's Martian, a friend of the show. What, third, fourth time on? Cam, what's going on? Welcome back. Hey, fellas. Yeah, this is number three. So I, I don't know. I don't know where that ranks on your guest standings, but I'm, well, I've got to be up there now. Yeah, you're climbing quickly. I mean, Tony Ferrari, still best friend of the show. Christmas Day guest. You know, it's tough. Tough to beat that, but you crashed the episode we had Joey Decord on. So, I mean, that has some pull, too. Yeah, I mean, it's probably up there with your top downloaded episodes, if I had to guess. So, uh, <laughs> despite what Pilsy says about my opinions, here I am well, once again. Yeah, Pilsy, you want to get into that? Because you had some choice words for him earlier in the episode. Well, hey, I was just trying to spark a little controversy. Ross starts off uh, off one of his opinions with, I'm going to get into an argument with you here, Pilsy, and I couldn't have agreed with him more. So we didn't, <laughs> we didn't have a very big discussion on that. So I thought I'd just throw a quick ricochet shot at uh, Lillian's Martian. His opinions are trash captain shit. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> well, if you want to tell him that yourself, you can go to his blog, Lillian'sMartian.com. The first post titled just that, talking about what Brady Kachuk brings with a nice Photoshop of the sea right on his crest. You must be impressed with the development you've seen this year from Kachuk. Oh, my God. The guy's a total mutant. What's going on here? He, he, DJ Smith said the other day, it looks like he's growing every day. So I love to hear that. He's definitely still developing, still super young. So love to see it, boys. He's, uh, he is captain shit. He's doing what he does. And he's running around out there, scaring people, mugging people, 
punching people in the face at Senators hockey these days, and I love it. Yeah, that was uh, that was quite the tilt he had last night. He almost landed that sky hook, eh? That would have been lights out for Hamannick if that thing lands. I, I think I tweeted out that I, I didn't like him having to fight after what I called a clean hit, but after reviewing it a little bit, it was definitely a little late. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, yeah, I mean, I love it. He's always going to stand up for himself if somebody like Travis Hamannick's going to come after him. That's that's little boy stuff for him nowadays. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, like, that's the thing. I think a lot of people are saying uh, Josh Brown needs to be the guy fighting. You know, Brady shouldn't do that. But you want him to stand up for yourself. Like like you said, it, se- it seemed like a clean hit initially. But then you look at the replay and you're like, not, not quite. The puck was kind of gone there. But, uh, it, like, when that happens and someone's going to challenge you, you can't shy away from that if you're Brady Kachuk. So he steps in there and he holds his own. Yeah, more than holds his own, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. And people who are saying, oh, man, he can't be taking penalties and getting the extra two minutes, which would have negated it, right? It ended up being even because Hamannick gets the instigator. But when you lead the league in drawn penalties, I think you get a little bit more leash because despite taking 20 penalties this year, Brady Kachuk still has a plus 11 penalty differential. So he's still helping his team get on the power play more where they've been red hot. And they scored on their, their power play last night, the first one, with Brady in the box still. So what does that say about the depth of that first unit since they moved Josh Norris on there? Is Josh Norris creeping up into a level where we might be talking about him in the same legendary status as we referred to Brady in, or am I getting ahead of myself? Well, it's definitely a different character. I think you might be getting ahead of yourself a little bit, but this guy's also one of those guys who's going to be a part of this team for such a long time going forward. He's you know, that he's got that spot on the power play that he's loved. He's sniping short side on demand. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, it's just a matter of time, too, until we're talking about Josh Norris as, you know, an all-star in this league, some guy who's going to be scoring goals left and right. That shot is something else. Yeah, anytime you have a shot like that, and especially when you have an incredible wrist shot like Josh Norris and you're a shoot-first mentality center, he's going to be putting pucks in the back of the net for years to come. And – if he's right beside Brady Kachuk, like you have a shoot first center and a guy that loves to muck it up in front of the net, that's a deadly combo. Do you think we're going to see those two play on a line together exclusively, almost like Spets and Alfie did from like 05 to 10? Like that sort of longevity together? Yeah, I think at this point, they've got to be inseparable, right? We know that they're best friends off the ice. They have extremely good chemistry on the ice. They seem to be having a great time out there. No matter who you put on the other side with those guys, uh, they seem to have a lot of success uh, with the underlying numbers too. Um, Josh Norris is, is the guy who gets up and down the ice like a madman. You know, his defensive positioning is always solid, uh, even though it kind of maybe goes a little bit unsung with his game, I think. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Like you got to keep those guys together for the foreseeable future, I'd think. Yeah, they've rotated. Drake Batherson's been there. Connor Brown's been there. Another subject of your blog. Now, he extends his ridiculous stretch here. I almost called it a streak. There's a couple of games where he hasn't gotten onto it. Did he stand out for you the entirety of last night's game as well as we get into our Sen Central standouts camp? Or was that empty net or just a goal scorer staying hot? That was a goal scorer staying hot. I think he had a solid game. But, yeah, I think, I think that that was just a gravy goal. He kind of, you know, he, he's got the hot stick lately and he kind of deserved that one, I think. So, uh, you know, what the hell? Why not another one? What's that now, 17? Is that good? 
team leading 17 goals for Connor Brown. And I think if you would have told us at the start of the year when he was missing breakaways left, right, and center, that he would probably, it looks like he's going to lead the team in goals. I mean, there's a couple guys that are close, but if he stays hot like this, he's got it in the bag. Now for my central send central standout guys, hashtag goalie friendly show. I'm going Matt Murray. I mean, anytime I think a lot of people that first shutout that he got were like you know like like slow clap like nice like what was it like a 16 save Tw- shutout 23 Ottawa had 15 shots and it was their right first I got win those flipped then so yeah. low 20 shot you know it's it's not incredible you didn't steal that game but now he does it again in a game where they get outshot heavily once more. He had to make a couple big saves. That glove save he made was huge. He took a Bo Horvat shot off the face. Like, he was looking good positionally. This is the thing we need for Matt Murray. Remember the Jekyll, Dr. Jekyll and Hyde uh, story we had going all year? Good game, bad game, good game, bad game. It's been four good games in a row mixed in with two perfect games. So this is the Matt Murray that the Ottawa Senators traded for. They locked him up and they said, this is going to be our guy. We've found the guy to take us to the promised land. And, you know, it's still a short sample size, but he's looking so much different. And with a new goaltender coach in there, I think this is going to be the, uh, the example of Matt Murray. We're going to see more often than not. If he finishes these last nine games, I expect him to play at least eight of the nine. Like maybe there's a back-to-back in there with travel that he doesn't get the nod, but I don't see any reason why he shouldn't run the table. Matt Murray needs to find his confidence and he needs to be in all games. Great send central standout Pilsy. He was solid and in what he didn't do in Montreal, didn't really have to. There's that one Drew chance, but that guy can't score. So you look at the glove save cam. How much did that stand out to you in the second period off the high tip? Yeah, I think, I mean, the game could have been tied if it wasn't for Matt Murray by the end of regulation. There was a couple chances where I was like, "Uh uh-oh, here it goes. And sure enough, he came up huge. So I think when we talk about that Dr. Jackal and Mr. Hyde situation, I think Mr. Hyde has taken over, uh, which is a good thing. I think he's the good one. So yeah, I I don't know. And I don't know who we give credit to. At this point, I think we're looking at Zach Berg. Like they brought this guy in. And since then, Matt Murray's been a different guy. So I love to see it. Uh, I think when we go back and we talk, we, we talked about it in the locker room, uh, Pilsy, about who we protect in the expansion. And at, at, at that time, it was a couple of weeks ago before he came back. I was saying one of the young guys. and I, I was have, getting shelled in that conversation. Oh my God, it was Pilsy. tough for me. It's, it's looking all right now, though. I, yeah. like, I can't wait for next locker room. We're going to see if all those people uh, stay on their Matt Murray opinions. I'm not afraid to admit that I have flip-flopped. And I will say, Pilsy, I think you were right there, buddy. You had, you had that one right. Finally, you got one. Love this guy's opinions. We got to get him on the show more. (laughs) One thing that's helped Matt Murray as well is this commitment to defense. Not saying it wasn't there before, but outside of Eric Brandstrom, all five others had two or more block shots last night. And my central central standout is the underappreciated Nikita Zaitsev. Now, both Matt Murray and DJ Smith spoke about him after the game. Five block shots, took one off the hand, shook it off like a champion. This guy is a warrior. Is he playing too high in the lineup? Yeah, probably. Is his contract not great? Yeah, probably. But he brings it every night, led the team in shorthanded time on ice. He's top 15 in the league in blocks. This guy just gets it done on a nightly basis. It's not sexy the way he plays, although if you like long-range shots, all three of his goals empty netters from his own zone. So he does bring that element from time to time. But the tenacity that he plays with on defense, you can't have – six guys that are going to riverboat gamble you need others that are going to stand back and play responsibly and finish their checks and 
I think, yeah, they're trying to make Josh Brown that guy, and I want to get into Josh Brown's game with you, Cam. But with Nikita Zaitsev, it's the reliability that he brings. And if this guguy was making three million dollars instead of four and a half, we'd be praising him every single night. If you're the Senators, like, is that million and a half really that detrimental when you finally no. found a right-hand shot guy that can help be the yin to someone's yang on that decor? I don't think so. And that's what I've been saying. Like, yeah, it's, a, it's the same with Murray. Like, we know the contract is a, little, is a little rich for the value. Like, there's maybe a year too many and maybe, like you said, a million dollars or a million and a half too much. But that's not a game changer when you're the Ottawa Senators and you have all this cap space. When you need veteran, good shutdown defensemen like Zaitsev, and you need a pivotal goalie to come in and secure the crease like Murray. So I don't have too many qualms with the extra year and the extra million and a half or so. That's usually the gamble you got to take to secure in a consistent, good player. And get this too, guys. Remember, that trade was made after his signing bonus was paid last year. So They've only paid him what, what will be $6 million over two years because his salary is 1.5 outside his bonus last year. So what does that average out to? Math guy, $3 million per year. And he's bringing a lot to the table for that. How funny, too. He gets rewarded offensively for his defensive prowess last night with an empty net assist. So this guy is just dominating empty nets this year. Points, left, right, goals, assists, you name it. Zaitsev's bringing it to the table. So, yeah, I just want to give a shout-out to him because he's not often talked about when he is. It's the fact that he's an anchor on this team. And I just thought he played well last night among all of the Sens defensemen. I didn't think there was a weak link. Um, Cam, what did you think when DJ Smith had not only Brantz from out shorthanded, but Victor Mete, too? I love it. I love Victor Mete, too. I, I was just going to bring that up. He has been something else for us with his skating ability, right? He's just zooming around out there, super smooth breakouts. It, you barely notice him, but you do notice him because of what he's doing with his skill set, right? He's moving the puck. Um, he's getting the puck out of the zone, no problem. He's even, like, kind of jumping in the rush a little bit, which I like to see. Um, but on the penalty kill, that's not exactly a DJ Smith, uh, what you would expect out of him on the PK. Um, but I think it – I mean, obviously it worked, right? The PK was buzzing. They were, they were getting just as many offensive chances as they were, you know, taking in, uh, you know, on the defensive side. So – I'm not complaining with it. And honestly, there's not like there's a ton of other options on the left side to put on there uh, on the PK for DJ. So I'm into it. Well, one of the reasons why that particular shift was out there is Josh Brown was in the penalty box. uh, Tried (laughs) tried to go after a a pretty greasy cross check, we'll say, to the nameplate of, uh, I forget who it was, Hoglander, one of the little guys out there standing in front. Are you a keep him in the lineup type guy? I know you're high on him when he was playing under Quenville, wasn't getting the opportunity, but have you seen enough here down the stretch or are you hoping to get him into a few more games? Uh, see, here's the thing. I, I, I really understand, I think, why they keep Josh Brown in the lineup. And I think that he's really found a, a bit of a groove as far as like a Josh Brown groove goes with, uh, you know, playing with Mete because he just zipped the puck over to Mete and Mete will, will clear the zone because that's something that Josh Brown is not known for is, you know, tape to tape passes exiting the zone. Uh, but, you know, he, he does try to do a little too much out there with the physical element. One thing with Josh Brown is, you know, he's, he's not really a tough guy. He, he's just, this is something that he's brought into his game to stay in the NHL. And I think, yeah, he does force it. He's maybe not angry when he's fighting. Uh, I think things like that, the emotion needs to come into it a little bit more um, instead of him trying to, you know, just do it for the sake of doing it and just get the boys riled up. But 
I like having him in there, but I understand everybody wanted to get JBD some reps too. And I think maybe it is about time that, you know, JBD does get some reps. And if he starts to struggle a bit, then yeah, let's pop drop big Josh Brown back in there. What, what is your expectation for games played for JBD coming up here? Like how many games would you be satisfied with if he gets in? So what do we have nine left? I, yeah. I, I think we got to get him in at, at least five of those, right? Like more than half, um, I think is a fine number five games experience going into next year. Like if you remember the year prior to this year, we had, you know, uh, Josh, uh, sorry, Josh Norris and, uh, you know, Brandstrom got a little, little bit of action at the end of the year. So that's kind of there. This is his time to get a little taste before next year where he can maybe make the jump. Now, yeah. do you think that change happens after a loss? Like what if the Sens keep, like if the Sens, like you said, if they go 10 and 0 to try to make the playoffs here, does JBD not, get in the lineup like do you think it's really that black and white like he's not gonna switch the lineup until there's a loss sorry jbd if we're winning josh brown's staying in it (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's a delicate situation to say the least but as long as the wins keep piling up and the players who are contributing most to those wins are a part of the future as a fan you can't ask for much more if you're arguing about who the sixth defenseman's going to be things are going pretty well for a team that's finished at the bottom of the standings over the last few years. Yeah, and that's the thing too, right? Like the, the fan base has Josh, like a guy like Josh Brown shouldn't be under such a microscope. <laughs> Why are we looking so hard at him, right? Everything he's doing is being ridiculed. Like there was a time last night where, you know, Chabot was taking a pass in the corner and he's skating backwards and he kind of fell over and fell backwards. And you don't see one tweet about that. But if that was Josh Brown, everybody would be like, oh, Josh Brown can't skate. What is he doing out there? Like he's horrible. Um, you know, I think that he's just – people don't like him. It's, I, don't, I don't get it. But um, the reasoning is, is obviously that they want to see the young guys. And I think that's unfair to Josh Brown, to be honest. So you heard it right here, Laleem's Martian setting the over-under at five games played down the stretch for JBD. That's not a number that we can wager on, but there's plenty that you can at betonline.ag. I am raking it up. I'm on such a heater except – for my levy lock yesterday, which I apologize for greatly. But if you're on the send, you cashed in last night, plus 200 on the regulation side of things. So if you want to get in on the action, you aren't there already, make sure you're heading over to betonline.ag, either on your mobile device or on a desktop. They have a great mobile platform, and it's easy to wager when you're a listener of the Locked On Senators. <laughs> Why is that? That's because you get a great promo code when you sign up. So when you go to betonline.ag, sign up with a free account and put in the promo code Locked On when you're at the checkout and automatically, just like that, you don't have to press anything else. 50% of what you deposit is just magically appears, but it's in free play money. So you have to bet it to earn it back. That's where we have Pillsy's Parlay of the Day. And I'm staying out of this one because I've mushed it twice in a row. I can't, can't, can't do it again. Pillsy, lead these people in the right direction. Uh, yeah, and I won't let you do it again there, Ross. I, I took your advice. I actually thought they were good bets. They weren't what I had in, in store for Pillsy's parlay of the day. But, you know, you sprinkled a plus, a positive bet in there to boost the odds. I, I was for it, but it didn't work out. That's the parlay game, as I've learned to, learned to know. And you don't always get them. I started off hot. 
Now I'm back cold. Let's get hot again. We're going Boston Bruins up against the Buffalo Sabres. Obviously, you guys, you know I'm going to go for that. That's These odds are just crazy. Minus 322 for the money line. But it's a parlay, so we're going to boost them with some other games. But you got to throw that one in there. I'm not going to leave it out. That's for sure. Now, Minnesota Wild up against the LA Kings. I like what I've seen from Minnesota lately, so we're going to take their money line. At Five minus, straight wins. Yeah, exactly. They're looking real nice lately. So, minus 164 for their money line. And Belleville Senators game day, guys. That was a close one up against the Laval Rocket. If it wasn't for a disallowed goal on a quick whistle by some questionable refing, we don't talk about the refs, though, so we'll leave that at that. They would have won that game. It's a rematch up against the Laval Rocket. Let's take that money line, baby, plus 133. I'm feeling it for Belleville. So the parlay this time, Boston Bruins money line, Minnesota Wild money line, and the Belleville Senators money line. Put $10 in. You're going to win $39.16. Guys, that is Pillsy's parlay of the day. Bonus parlay for Saturday. Sends win and the Leafs lose. And that will make you not only money, but you'll feel a satisfaction guarantee. So go to betonline.ag. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get into the action and make sure you use the promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus. They're not fooling around. 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's Bet Online, your online sportsbook expert. Make sure you're subscribed to the Locked On Senators podcast wherever you download yours, whether it's Spotify, Apple, Google Play, wherever you're most comfortable, you can hear us and subscribe for the latest episodes as soon as possible, Monday through Friday, and follow us on social media for up-to-the-minute stats, insight, and analysis at Send Central on Twitter. All right, Pilsy, we got the Martians still with us as well for a weekend preview, but as you heard in Pilsy's parlay of the day, we've got Belleville Senators hockey, not only tonight, but tomorrow as well against the Laval Rocket, who are tied for first in the entire American Hockey League. Pilsy, what would qualify as a successful pair of games? I think they can win one, if not two of these games. Like like I said, the last game up against Laval was so close. It was a run and gun style of game. They just ran out of uh, ran out of time too little too late, unfortunately. 5-4 game. And I think with Laval losing a bunch of their key players, Cole Caulfield, Primu, those guys are all up in the taxi squad. This is a team that Belleville can take advantage of. And, man, these guys have been hot. Like, Angus Crookshank looks great. Logan Brown, back in the lineup, he hasn't been a real, um, you know, he hasn't moved the needle too far one way or another. But it looks like he's getting into his game. So I think Belleville's chances of winning a bunch of games down the stretch here, now that they have some confidence from that three-game win streak up against the Stockton Heat, is pretty good. These guys are feeling themselves too. And, hey, when you see your big brother doing well, you want to reflect that as well. So Belleville wants to keep the wins coming too. Hey, Cam, who's impressed you most from down in Belleville this year? You know my answer. It's going to be Igor Sokolov, boys. He has been absolutely tearing it up with the goal scoring. I think he's at, is it 11 goals now? 12? Um, 11. 11, yeah. So he's doing great. I'd love to see that, you know, that goal scoring ability has has been able to transition over from uh, the junior game. Um, So I'm going with Igor. Nice. Yeah. Safe bet as a friend of the show and just an all around great guy. So we love seeing the success for Igor. He can bring it on the power play already has an NHL shot. And Trent Mann was on TSN 1200 this morning, just saying, I know he's going to play in the national hockey league with that release. He just needs to be confident in it. Like Pillsy noticed, noticed in the uh, last game, 
He had a wide open net, but just a lack of confidence in that moment because earlier in the game had missed on a couple of chances. So we'll be watching tonight for the Belleville Senators and the Laval Rocket, but the big club back in action, looking for a fourth straight win. And not only would that be impressive, the fact they've done all of it on the road just doubles how impressive that is for a team that struggled so much under DJ Smith getting road wins. Now, We'll get to our keys to victory. We'll get to our lookout, our locked-on players. But I want to read some stats here on the special teams. Over the last six games, the Ottawa Senators' power play has produced at an unreal clip. Good for fourth in the National Hockey League. They have seven goals on their last 19 attempts. Meanwhile, the penalty kill has 19 out of their last 21. Good for fifth in the NHL. So when you're a 30th place team, but you're top five over any sort of stretch, in both penalty killing and power plays, you're looking at that as a key to continued success. So I'll expect that against Vancouver on Saturday. Pilsy, I'll start with you. Who are you locked on tomorrow for the Sens? This is a guy that we haven't seen much from. He's been quiet recently. How about Ryan Dezingle? Like, this is a guy who's playing for, he's trying to showcase himself for 32 NHL teams next season. I, I think it's pretty unlikely that Ottawa brings him back. And I think Ryan Dezingle is going to have to take some sort of one-year short salary deal to make his way back into the league because, sure, he's been scoring goals at even strength at a good rate. He's still shooting at a 20% success rate with his shot percentage, but he's just kind of looking invisible out there lately. He's not getting the opportunities on the power play like he was before. He's stuck in a fourth line role that is probably going to be gone when Austin Watson returns to this lineup. He's running out of time to showcase himself here. And this is a guy who I think still has a bunch of talent, but just isn't getting the opportunity. So I'm going to be watching him and he needs to make some noise my locked on player for the game is, is going to be Chris Tierney. Um, and in a similar vein, uh, he kind of seems like a guy who's getting pushed out here. He's down on, on the bottom line. It's not getting a whole ton of ice time. He hasn't really done a whole lot for me offensively or defensively. He's kind of got that invisibility cloak on too. He's skating around and doing a, doing a lap and that's the shift. And um, you know, I, I expect a little bit more out of Chris Tierney. Um, but I understand now that we have these young studs down the middle that are, are totally pushing him out of the way. So he's got one more year left on his deal. I don't know what, uh, you know, Pierre's going to do in the off season with him. Um, I imagine he'll probably still be around next season, but after that, that's gotta be the end of the road for Chris Tierney as an Ottawa Senator. Kind of on the same vein, as you mentioned, he's being pushed out by Pinto, the latest centerman to get into the lineup and play ahead of him. Maybe not in total ice time just yet, but working his way up. Do you think Pinto ever plays a game for Belleville? No, I don't think he does. He's NHL ready. I, you're already seeing it, right? He's, he's great defensively. He's got that big blade. He's taking pucks away. Um, and he's getting offensive chances like he should. So I think his game is, has – DJ said it yesterday too. He, he said, you know, Shane Pinto is ready-made. And it's pretty rare that you get that as a player coming out of college. So he's got the size. Uh, he's got the shot. He's got the defensive abilities. I don't think we ever see him down in Belleville. Sorry, Belleville. Yeah, sorry to, to the fans maybe for next year that we're hoping to see Pinto. JBD, on the other hand, I think could see some seasoning down there. What do you think about that, Pills? First off on Pinto, I think, well, his his best characteristic is his face-off ability. And he is learning that the NHL is a different league when it comes to face-offs. He went four for 17 last night. He had the most face-offs on the team. Obviously, DJ Smith trusts him in that role, but... 
It's not going to work out like it did in college every night. So that's going to be a learning opportunity for him. The only way I see Shane Pinto playing a game in Belleville is if Logan Brown has the off season of all off seasons <laughs> and comes in bet on that. Yeah. Yeah. Don't go to bet on betaline.ag for that one. But the, you know what I mean? Like the only way I can see Pinto not having a spot is if Logan Brown leapfrogs him. And I'm going to say the odds of that are very low. Extremely low. That's that's your treat, Belvo, that you get. You get to watch Logan Brown. For one more, he actually needs a new contract going into next year, so that's going to be a fascinating situation to watch play out. All right, moving on to the Vancouver side of things. I didn't notice a whole lot from their offensive stars last night. Like Quinn Hughes, to me, maybe a regression of sorts, and he's still trying to figure out the game, although, unfortunately, he was probably one of the hardest hit we heard Uh, when it came to their COVID situation. But I'm going to look out for Brock Besser because he's the kind of guy who he's one-shot offense. Next thing you know, the puck's in the back of the net. And the fact that he was as quiet as he was in yesterday's game leads me to believe that Saturday he's going to regroup and get on the board. So I'm going to be looking out for Brock Besser and hoping that the Sens can continue to block a lot of shots and have Matt Murray stonewall the rest of them because, yeah, there's too much offensive talent on Vancouver to be held down for this long. I'm going to be looking out for Tanner Pearson. Um, he's got that, you know, fresh new contract to the chagrin of all the, the fans uh, in Vancouver, which is always funny to watch other fan bases freak out about contracts. It's usually the other way around for us. So uh, Tanner Pearson always seems to be one of those guys who's grinding. He's always shooting the puck. Uh, and he, he seems to uh, seems to score against Ottawa pretty frequently. I don't, I don't know what it is. So he's a good looking guy, that Tanner Pearson. So he's going he's gonna to score. So I'm looking out for Tanner Pearson. Yeah, that's a good one. He's one of those guys, those depth guys that if you give him a little too much space, he can light it up. Like he was, he was a stud over in LA when he started there. So he, he's got the offensive talent in him. And for me, I'm going to the back end. A guy like Tyler Myers, I'm going to be looking out for because there's not a lot of size on that Vancouver D-line. I mean, Hamannick's there, but I don't think he's really that big of a guy. But Tyler Myers is a guy in front of the net He's going to be wreaking havoc, cross-checking on the back, boxing out. So he's someone that I think the Senators are going to have to find a way to work around. And they did that last night. Like, they, Josh Norris was able to get that pass through Myers to Batherson for that second goal. So they're able to beat him. I'm going to be looking out to see if they're going to be able to continually beat him because he's the big, mean defenseman on Vancouver, and he could cause some trouble if he gets hot. I gave my key to a victory. It's the special teams staying as hot as they are. Cam, what are you looking to see on Saturday for an Ottawa victory? You got to have a good net front presence, boys, on the power play. So we got to keep that going. Uh, I like what they're doing with their entries, too. Uh, they've changed it up. They seem to have gotten rid of that that you know ugly drop pass that seems to slow things down and, and make it a little bit tougher for them to enter, enter the zone. So... I'm going to say keep the, the entry strategy going the way it has been the last couple games and make sure you're, you're getting that net front presence. I, I loved what Nick Paul was doing when Brady Kachuk was in the box uh, last night for the, on, on the first power play there. Um, he's a great guy to have in front to you know, match up against a guy like Tyler Myers because he's not an easy guy to move at 6'3", 225. That's a beast. So I'm going to say, yeah, those two things are, are my keys to success to keep the power play rolling. Nice. I like that. Yeah, the the power play for the Senators is always best when they've got traffic in front and they're getting shots on net and getting those rebounds and creating offense from just 
pucks on net. So I think that's a good one for sure. For me, the key to the game has got to be the faceoffs need to improve. Now, I know you're on the road. I know you have a very fresh centerman in Shane Pinto, but other guys were struggling too. Like Colin White going one for 11. That's not going to cut it. Like the fact that these senators, the faceoff percentage numbers were 65 to 36 in favor of the Canucks, and the senators walk away with a 3 0 road win is amazing. So they're not going to be able to pull that out of their asses every single time. So I want to see, you know, you don't have to win the faceoff battle every night. But it, there can't be 60-30 splits going on here. We got to have that closer. So that's going to be the main thing I'm watching out for. When you're worried about face-off wins, things are going well. And the Senators have four wins in their last five games, allowing the second fewest goals per game over that stretch. So tons of improvement for Ottawa. We're really looking forward to that Saturday tilt in Vancouver. 10 o'clock start again. But now after only one win in their first 11 games after 8 p.m. Eastern, They've now got back-to-back victories under those circumstances. So now for some bonus coverage to take you into the weekend. Laleem's Martian had an unreal article depicting who could represent their countries at the upcoming World Championships when it comes to Ottawa Senators. You know here at Send Central on Twitter and the Locked On Senators podcast, we're going to be all over our Sends Abroad playing in the postseason. But you also want to keep one eye overseas and – The years of world championships that are closest to the Olympics are always the most intriguing. Yes, you have the back end of it where it's a COVID world. There's going to be protocols in place. It's not the same fun, worldly travels that the players get to do after their season. It's going to be very much a one focus that maybe I can endear myself to Roberto Luongo and the rest of the Team Canada staff that's going to be picking the Olympic team but it's going to be fun to watch because Thomas Shabbat is in that situation exactly. Whose stock do you think will be most affected by this world championships going into the Olympics? Ooh, that's a hard question. Um, yeah, we're really easing into this topic. Yeah, I, the thing I would say that I'm most excited to see, and I think it may come to fruition, is having the two guys on forward for the USA, Brady Kachuk and Josh Norris, play together in the world championship. I think it's crucial. Um, well, maybe not crucial, but I think it's, it, it would be great to be able to see them go in uh, to Riga as a line again, uh, continue the development, continue the chemistry. They, they, it doesn't seem like they really have any reason not to go to me. You know, they're young guys. And this is something that I mentioned in my article, you know, LaleemsMartian.com, check it out. Um, but in my article, I, uh, you know, I mentioned that, you know, as a young guy, that time away from the family, situation maybe it doesn't have as much impact for them since they don't have you know wives and kids and responsibilities that some of the older veteran type guys might have so I think it would be amazing to see those guys go over there and dominate continue what they're doing keep the chemistry going and and bring that energy into next season and hey maybe even win something right like to have them go in and and have success is just another notch under their belt for their growth in this whole team I love what I'm seeing so that's going to be my two guys to, to go in and kind of put their stamp on things. But um, obviously you want to see Shabbat uh, have success too and, and have a crack at that Olympic team too. Yeah, hopefully Pierre Dorian sends along the memo to uh, the USA GM that, hey, did you know that Brady and Kachuk and Josh Norris are best friends? Maybe you want to put them on a line together. We'll keep that going. Now, I think the most intriguing name that you had in that article for me that really got me questioning uh their place in the championships here 
Matt Murray, what do you think? Like, I think you made a really good point that there's not a whole lot of Canadian talent goalies that won't be in the NHL playoffs available. So where do you see him slotting into a Canadian team? Yeah, I think that he is going to get a look. There's, there's not a ton of great options in Canadian goaltending these days, period, let alone when the majority of them are playing in a playoff series. So I think he's definitely going to get a look. As far as where he's going to slot, he, he'll be one of the top two guys, I would imagine. Um, and if he keeps playing the way he's playing down the stretch, then he's definitely going to be getting a look. He can't be putting up shutouts every other game and, and not be getting consideration for, to play for your country. Um, he's played for them recently, as I mentioned in the article there. Uh, he played in the 2020, 2019 uh, World Championships. So there is some familiarity there with the brass. I don't know what his relationship is like with Bobby Lou, but I think, uh, I think there's a chance. And, yeah, I think that was an intriguing part of that article for sure. It just kind of occurred to me that there's not a whole ton of Canadian guys. that. Uh, but the other side of things with that is, is, like I mentioned with the young guys, Matt Murray is married and just had a newborn baby. So that could definitely be a huge factor for him deciding to go over there and, and do that. But the way things have been going for him, maybe he wants to get more hockey under his belt uh, with the injuries that he's faced and missing time and having a short season. So I think the more hockey, the better. And probably to go back on to answer your question previously, Ross, who, whose stock could rise the most? I think Matt Murray's stock could rise a whole lot in that scenario. Yeah, he, he's only played 26 games so far this season. So you'd think maybe that there is an added benefit of him continuing to grow his game and getting, gaining more and more confidence heading into next season as well. Now, there's uh, – sorry, go ahead. He's already got the white pads to go with the jersey. So <laughs> those boring white pads, let's see them. Yeah, well, he won bronze with Team Canada at the 2019 tournament. Mark Stone, MVP, don't know, you heard of him. But, um, yeah, so there's plenty of talent to choose from. And, guys, I think you're going to be pretty willing to go. And the goalies that come to mind, Carter Hart, who's at a down year, you'd probably think he'd want to go and bounce back should Philly not make a run here. But I think they're almost pretty safe to say it will be out. And then Mackenzie Blackwood is a Team Canada favorite as well with New Jersey and no chance New Jersey, although they have been winning a little more um, of late, late, but they were on that brutal stretch there. So Mackenzie Blackwood would probably be available as well. So if you want to read the full article, head over to laleemsmartian.com. Cam, always a pleasure having you on the show. We appreciate it very much. Won't be long before you're back as well. My pleasure, fellas. Thanks for having me on. That was a tasty little piece, just like a uh, Cherry Garcia built bar. You know. Like hey, that. there you go. And nice off smooth. with a built bar to head into the weekend. Speaking of sponsors, and you were in the locker room with us the last couple of weeks. You can listen to Pillsy and I this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Pills, you got any spicy takes you want to tee up? I just, I want to have the exact same locker room chats we had weeks ago where everyone was saying Seattle better take Matt Murray's contract. Nikita Zaitsev is not protectable. All the, all these arguments that I was getting ratioed very hard on on locker room. Bring those back this week. I want to revisit those. Elsie inviting you. Yes, you listening into the ring on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. on The Locker Room. Enjoy your weekend. For Laleem's Martian and Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.